Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, February 11th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film Weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. All right, guys, so let's jump into today's episode, and uh, let's do that by talking about Parasite, the movie that won Best Picture, uh, and there are a couple Parasite-related items to discuss today. Uh, first up, the movie is going back into theaters and expanding wider, so I just figured it would be a good opportunity to talk about that and tell our listeners where they might be able to see this movie. I know I've been talking to my parents who are in uh, North Florida, and they have, I don't think it's come to a theater near them, but Brad, is that about to change soon? Yes, after Parasite won Best Picture, uh, Neon is expanding the movie into even more theaters, uh, actually the most theaters that it's ever been in before. Uh, at the time of this writing, Parasite was in roughly a thousand theaters and the widest uh, release it ever had throughout its theatrical run, which started back in October with a limited run and went wide in November, uh, was 1,060 theaters, was the most that it ever played in. And now after this Best Picture win, it'll be playing in over 2,000 theaters which should make it infinitely easier for people to see on the big screen. Um, it's not quite as big as some of the wide releases for big studio blockbusters, but for a movie like Parasite, this is a, a pretty big release. And uh, it looks like the, it could, or it should help boost the box office numbers pretty significantly. As of now, uh, it's made uh, roughly $33 million. And if it, uh, it gets a few more million, it'll surpass Pan's Labyrinth on the number five spot for uh, highest grossing foreign language film in the U.S. I was going to ask you about that. What are what are some of the other movies on that list? Like, I guess, the one through five slots. Do you know them off the top of your head? So five is Pan's Labyrinth right now. Um, and then after that, we have uh, Instructions Not Included, which I believe is a Spanish language film, if I'm, if I'm not. Yeah, I think it's um, a comedy that came out like a couple years ago, right? Yeah, I think it star, uh, stars... Isn't it star the guy who's in... Um, the Overboard remake? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, Eugenio Derbez is in it. Um, and then it is uh, Hero is one of them. The and, Jet Li action movie? Yes. Oh, wow. the, um, the, Jet, the Jet Li action movie. And then Life is Beautiful. 
And then the number one, which it's probably has no chance of catching whatsoever, is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which made over $128 million in the U.S. box office. Oh, wow. That was a big Oscar movie back in its day, too. So, yeah, I guess the, um, you know, the, the uh, Hollywood landscape has changed so drastically since, what, 1999 or whenever that movie came out. I don't remember what year that came out, early 2000s. Um, yeah. That, uh, but still, I mean, what, like... 50, 45 or 50 million, like you said, for when all is said and done for Parasite. That seems like pretty decent for a, a, a um, international feature like this. Yeah, for sure. And if uh, hopefully it'll be able to hit that. If um, I think uh, the Hero is the one that has uh, it's like or not Hero, uh, Life is Beautiful made around 57 million. So Parasite has a little bit of work to do in order to reach that. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but the one thing that Parasite doesn't have going for it is that. Parasite it has already been released on digital Blu-ray and DVD, so people can already rent it and buy it at home without having to go to theaters. So that could end up hurting some of the extra box office return. Yeah, I think, I mean, personally, just speaking for me, I'm just I'm glad that more people will be able to see it in whatever form they can. I think that's, we can all agree, it's a movie that is obviously worth checking out. Um, Chris, let's talk about the, the Parasite TV series for a little bit. We mentioned that uh, on a previous episode of the show that HBO was developing a TV version and Bong Joon-ho is attached and Adam McKay is attached, but what's the latest on this show? Right. So there's an uh, this is still a rumor. It's not confirmed yet, but the report states that Mark Ruffalo is being uh, eyed to lead the series, which immediately raises a whole bunch of questions because uh, Bong Joon-ho made it sound like this was going to be sort of like a sequel in a way. His quote made it when he talked about the, the show, he made it sound like. This was going to expand on the world of the movie. That was actually his literal quote. That it, it's going to expand on that story, which kind of made it sound like it was going to involve the same characters and therefore actors. But now you have Mark Ruffalo in there and it immediately just raises all sorts of questions. Like if he's the lead, who is he playing and and what is the story here? Yeah, is he going to play a character who interacts with the actors who are maybe back to reprise their roles from the movie? Like, uh, I maybe guess... he's uh, maybe he's one of the the German people that moves into the house at the end, and he's going to have like a really bad German accent. That's all I can think of. <laughs> um, Brad, do you have any ideas about how Mark Ruffalo might be involved here? I know it's like way too early for us to really be talking about this because he hasn't even been cast yet, and it's still uh, in the early days of development. But just for uh, speculation's sake, do you have any thoughts about this? Uh, we joked about this in the in the Slack, but you know, it's not our own possibility for him to be you know, maybe playing a detective who's looking into the this, you know, whole incident that uh, that happened. And then maybe there's a side story that goes along, you know, with it somehow that feeds into the themes and the, the metaphors at the center of the film. Yeah, I'm, I'm just very curious to see what this looks like, because, um, yeah, as Chris mentioned, it sort of throws my perception of what this show was going to be into complete chaos with, with you know, invar- involving somebody like Mark Ruffalo here. So uh, we'll be tracking this one very closely and we'll, we'll be sure to update you guys uh, as soon as we learn anything else about that. Let's move on to the Clue remake. Um, Brad, this project has been floating around for a little bit and it seems like it's been, uh, I guess, cycling through some filmmakers who have been attached and then left and all that so who is the latest person to theoretically be sitting in the director's chair of this clue remake indeed it's been two years since we first heard about a remake um, of the adaptation of the board game clue uh ryan reynolds is starring and producing in it 
And last year we had heard Jason Bateman was coming on board to direct and also have a role in the murder mystery comedy. But it turns out Jason Bateman's schedule for the Netflix series Ozark is keeping him a little too busy, and so he will not be directing anymore. But uh, 20th Century Studios, which is the new moniker for 20th Century Fox over at Disney, uh, has brought in one of their familiar filmmakers to take helm, and that is the Muppets director, James Bobin. Um, James Bobin's career in recent years hasn't been quite as stellar as it was when he started uh, features with the Muppets. Um, he's since directed Muppets Most Wanted, which in my opinion is an inferior sequel. Uh, he also directed Alice Through the Looking Glass, and most recently he played over at Nickelodeon uh, with Dora and the Lost City of Gold uh, at Paramount Pictures. So not the best track record, although I will admit I heard Dora was pretty good for what it was supposed to be. Um, but let's not forget that Bobin is uh, still a seasoned and good comedic director because he directed 11 episodes of Flight of the Concords. Uh, and 16 episodes of the, the Ali G show with Sasha Baron Cohen. So he knows how to do comedy for adult audiences. And uh, I think that he probably has the goods to to make Clue work. Are you excited about this now that he's in the director's chair? Um, I wouldn't say that I'm any more excited than I was before, which was mostly just, uh, you know, relative interest, I suppose. You know, I, I like Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's no uh, bad, you know approach to remaking Clue. It's with all the renewed interest in murder mysteries coming with uh, Murder on the Orient Express and Knives Out, I feel like it's a good time to kind of do a comedic send-up of those kinds of movies. Uh, not that this will be a parody necessarily, but Clue was obviously very much, you know, a, a comedy. And I think that with the, the fact that 20th Century um, Studios wants to get all-star talent to surround Ryan Reynolds for this movie, I think it could end up being a lot of fun. Well, speaking of all-star talent, let's talk about Tom Cruise and his latest movies. He's currently working on two Mission Impossible sequels. Or I guess he's in training for them. Uh, Chris McQuarrie is back to direct. He's doing. He's making two sequels back-to-back. Chris, what's the latest on uh, what's going on over in Mission Impossible world? Uh, yeah, so uh, someone asked Chris McQuarrie sort of jokingly, ah, will, will Tom Cruise go to space for the next Mission Impossible movie? Because that seems to be like the next logical step for his death wish. And uh, McQuarrie said, no, he's not going to space. But then he uh, he added um, sort of like a tease of some of the crazy stunts to come. Uh, he said, quote, we've figured out three obscene things that he's go- that he's doing that I'm terrified of that make the helicopter chase from Fallout look like Tinker Toys. Tom Cruise is training and he calls me and describes what he's doing. And I laugh and I cheer. And then I hang up and I puke in a bucket. So there you have it. Tom Cruise is going to make uh, Christopher McQuarrie puke in a bucket. I mean, the helicopter chase in Fallout is pretty spectacular, especially considering Cruise himself was flying that helicopter. Like, I remember listening to podcasts and stuff, interviews with McQuarrie at the time, and he was saying that they had to shoot that in New Zealand because that was one of the few countries where, like, the insurance would allow somebody like Tom Cruise to do such dangerous stunts in the air over the country like that. Um, Chris, do you have any thoughts on what these, quote-unquote, obscene things might be in this movie? Because if it's so intense that it's going to make the helicopter chase look like Tinker Toys, but he's not going to space. Like, what is the middle ground there? I don't know. Maybe a blimp. He gets a blimp and <laughs> flies that. Maybe that's next. Uh, Brad, do you have any thoughts about that? What are, what are you looking forward to seeing in the new Mission Impossible? Um, maybe maybe Tom Cruise will murder somebody. <laughs> that that would that would be a hell of a stunt to pull off. I, I'd like to see him try to get away with it. 
All right. Uh, well, I guess speaking of murder, let's transition into our, our last story of the day, which is a movie about murder called The Hunt. Uh, you may recall that this film, we, we talked a little bit about it last year, and it was uh, it was pulled from release. Um, Chris, give us a little bit of a rundown uh, in case we have some new listeners or something who might not be familiar with this movie and um, and tell them the news about it now that it's it's coming. It's back on track, right? Right. So this was supposed to come out um, September of last year. And uh, then it ran into a whole bunch of problems. Um, one of the problems was completely out of its, its control. And it's that uh, right before the September release, in, in over the summer, there was a series of mass shootings in America because that's the world we live in now, apparently. That just happens all the time, and there's no way to stop it, apparently. Uh, so that happened. And then on top of that, word leaked out that the film was primarily about uh, – quote unquote, liberal elites, very wealthy liberals who hunt, uh, for lack of a better word, deplorables for sport, people who who lean right and would prefer to vote for a certain president who is in power right now. And when that word, when word of that got out to places like Fox News, they immediately started, you know, uh, sounding the war drums and, and decrying the film as evil. And even Trump got on Twitter and, and yelled about it. So the mass shootings plus that sort of built up this very dark cloud about this mo- around this movie. And Blumhouse Universal threw up their hands and pulled it from release. And there was some period where it was unclear if this was ever even going to come out. But now the answer is yes, it is going to be coming out. It's finally coming out. This year on March 13th, um, nothing's been changed. They haven't like re-edited the movie. There's a new trailer, which kind of, uh, I guess, tries to downplay that controversy while also being like, ah, this movie is so controversial. Now you have to see it. But uh, it's still the same movie. It's just, I guess they figure enough time has gone by that they can they can try again and it'll be out now on March 13th. It's interesting because Damon Lindelof, who's one of the screenwriters of this, seems to indicate that there was, you know, a lot of the hubbub surrounding the movie last year was just sort of based on that leak and maybe doesn't actually necessarily reflect the movie's uh, mindset as a whole. It seems like um, there's a chance that uh, that people were sort of um, freaking out for no reason. Ben, are you suggesting people online jump to conclusions without any evidence? <laughs> I would never do such a thing, Chris. But he uh, he he says here he he in this uh, interview with Hollywood Reporter, which we we um, have grabbed a, a section of an excerpt from in our in our. Uh, right up here. Uh, Lindelof says they were talking about what their perception of the movie was, a perception that was largely formed based on all the events in the aftermath of the horrific weekend before, but we don't really want to be pointing figure uh, fingers, and more importantly, we don't want to be wagging fingers at anybody for overreacting or reacting incorrectly. We just felt like the movie was being misunderstood. We think that people who see it are going to enjoy it, and this may be a way to shine a light on a very serious problem in the country, which is that we're divided, uh, and we think this movie may actually ironically bring people together. So, um, yeah, it seemed, I don't know, I, you know, these Blumhouse movies, uh, going all the way back to what the purge and, and films like that, it's, it's all like, um, you can look at them as just surface level things, but there's a lot going on in these films in terms of like metaphor and, uh, social commentary and, and things like that. So I, I feel like, and especially with somebody like Damon Lindelof behind the, the scenes as one of the writers, I think he co-wrote this with um, Nick Hughes, who's one of the co-writers of uh, Watchmen as well. 
uh, it seems like this movie is going to be a little bit smarter and have a little bit more going on than people maybe originally gave it credit for. So I hope it ends up being entertaining and interesting. And I'm glad that obviously that we're going to finally get a chance to see it now. Um, are you guys like excited about this movie? Or are you sort of like over it because the the controversy has sort of subsumed the movie itself? I mean, I, don't know, I, I honestly think it looks kind of dumb, but I, I trust Lindelof. So maybe I, I have a feeling like the trailers are not hinting at how how much better it could be. I don't know. But the whole thing, the fact that, you know, Blumhouse, Buck, you know, they claim it was the mass shootings that made them pull the thing. But it really seems like it was more like the conservative backlash and the fact that they like gave into that always sat wrong with me. And at the same time, it's like, it kind of, it's probably going to pay off in their favor because now they can be like, ah, the movie they didn't want you to see and all that stuff. So I don't know, like the whole experience has kind of just left me like apathetic and like, I don't even know if I care at this point. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. You know, it looks like, it, you know, it'll be just another movie. It'll blow over after a little while. And you know, it's no more incendiary than, than any other movie out there that has, you know, some kind of social commentary or political axe to grind. It's weird that, like, movies like this and The Interview, um, you know, generated so much heat at the time. And, like, I mean, look, I, I don't know about this movie. Obviously, obviously, I haven't seen it yet. But looking back on The Interview, it's kind of like, all that for that movie? Like, <laughs> I mean, that movie was fine, but it's not really anything that, uh, in my mind, like, really warrants, like, that level of... Um, I don't know, media insanity surrounding it. But uh, all right, I think that's going to bring us to the end of a, a relatively short episode of Slash Film Daily today. You can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com. You can find more about all of the stories that we mentioned on today's show at that website. Go there, visit it, slashfilm.com. Please check it out. Uh, and then also, you can listen to this show. It's published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to uh, Slash Film Daily on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. And don't forget also to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.